Now, we have been going through the book of Psalms this summer. And so this morning, if you could open your Bibles to Psalm 150. Uh, And as we worship in God's word today, we'll be digging into a psalm of praise. But it's not your typical praise psalm. If you notice, Psalm 150 is actually the last psalm in the book of Psalms. And the next chapter is actually an entirely different book. But while we come to the end of this massive set list, I just want to remind you, we will still be going through the Summer of Psalms uh, in the coming weeks. But I just felt compelled to share this final psalm with you this morning, because despite its brevity, it simply teaches us the fundamentals of praising and ultimately worshiping God. Now, I want to go on record in saying that even as the worship leader here at Riverwood, this is not an advertisement for the worship team. This is not an advertisement for the worship team. Even though we practice on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., and hopefully we'll get back to Thursday nights at 6 p.m., even though I enjoy singing these songs with you every Sunday and would love to pass out applications, uh, this is not an advertisement for the worship team. But if you are interested, connect with me after service and we'll get you hooked up. Uh, All that aside, let's get into Psalm 150. The psalmist says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, this psalm is important. God, in his sovereignty, used the psalmists to write these sung prayers. Prayers of praise, prayers of lament, prayers of thanksgiving to help us to worship him. And as we've seen over the past couple months going through the book of Psalms, it covers a vast terrain of the human experience. Joy, excitement, wonder, thrill, splendor, sorrow, fear, darkness, loss, and depression, and so on. And the purpose of the Psalms is to help us wrestle with our thoughts and our emotions, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it all, and take them to God in worship in the midst of all different kinds of seasons of life. And God preserved this Psalm and put it at the end of this book to help us answer the big questions of praise. The first question is, who do we praise? The second Where do we praise? Third, why do we praise? Fourth, how do we praise? And finally, who is all invited to praise? Now, does anybody here know what the word praise means? We kind of use this uh, praise and worship lingo, but we really don't define them very often because we live in a post-Christian culture, but it's very much lingo, a part of our church culture. The Hebrew word here for praise 
that we see so many times is the word halal, which is where we get our word hallelujah, which in its entirety, hallelujah, halal, Yahweh, praise the Lord. And so in this case, the word praise, there's several Hebrew words for praise, actually. The word here in its context means to boast or to glory. In many cases, about something. And in this case, about someone, God. So Riverwood, who are we here to praise? God. The Bible, though it focuses on several central themes, is altogether fixed on one central theme. And that theme is that everything is for the worship of God in his glory. Now, the placement of this psalm was very intentional. You'll, you'll, you'll see at the end of the psalms, the last five psalms, Psalm 146 through 150, are one big doxological bookend to the Psalter, with Psalm 150 being the finale. The Greek word for glory is actually where we get the word doxology. Doxa, which communicates absolute worthiness, being deserving of all love and reverence and affection and honor and adoration. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's a reason why that song is called the doxology, because it's all about praising God in all of His glory. And Psalm 150 is chocked full of this language of praise. It says, praise the Lord, praise God, praise Him, 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 praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And I believe that the psalm was placed at the end of the book of Psalms to show that at the end of it all, God alone be praised. God alone is worthy of our worship. And right now, some of us might be sitting here this morning or watching online, and we're in this Sunday morning mindset thinking, well, duh, of course we're here to worship God. Of course we're here to praise God this morning. Why else do you think we're here? Why else do you think we're part of this service? But to assume that we're all on the, sun, on the same page in our understanding of why we're even here, of what we're even doing here, would be foolish. This psalm, this sung prayer is reminding us to praise God simply because that is not our default. You see, we are born worshiping and praising, but not worshiping and praising God. The Bible teaches us that we were born with a sin nature. In the letter to the Ephesian church, the Apostle Paul says that we were by nature children of of wrath. And as children of wrath, we would worship anything and everything except God. Paul even writes in Romans 1, 18 through 25 on the screens, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to, be fo- claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so the dishonoring to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We were not only made to worship. We were made worshiping. We can't turn off our worship on and off like a light switch because we're worshipers from the core of who we are, continuously pouring ourselves out to the things that we love. So the psalmist reminds us and directs us, those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, to praise God because we often praise the wrong things. So now we move on to our next question. Where do we praise God? Well, Let's go to the second section of verse 1. The psalmist says, Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. And so the Bible uses this language of sanctuary very loosely sometimes. Sometimes the Garden of Eden in the beginning of Genesis is described as a sanctuary. Sometimes the tabernacle, which was this somewhat sort of temporary tent where God lived and moved around in, is described as a sanctuary. Sometimes the Old Testament temple is described as a sanctuary. But do you know where else is described as a sanctuary? Every tiny crevice to every vast expanse of God's creation. Every nook and cranny to the ends of the earth, whether that's here or beyond, is God's sanctuary. And the text also says, praise him in his mighty heavens. And when we realize that, okay, so who do we worship? The God of the Bible. Now, where do we worship? The psalmist responds Everywhere. Where do we worship God? Everywhere. And at the end of our worship gatherings, I'll usually send us by saying, now go and follow Jesus. Now that doesn't mean go and follow Jesus as long as we're all together because that's what church is, right? Is a Sunday morning experience. No. When I say go and follow Jesus, that doesn't mean that we follow Jesus up until the end of the pavement, right outside. That doesn't mean go and follow Jesus up until Monday morning hits you in the face. That means go and follow Jesus. Go and praise Jesus. Go and worship 
Jesus. Go and live and love like Jesus in every area of your life. We don't get to compartmentalize our worship of God into certain places or even certain events. God is worthy of our worship in every space and at every moment of our lives. And our postmodern culture and our post-Christian society would tell us to go that route, that as long as our Christian faith is kept within these four walls, that's okay. As long as we follow Jesus privately, but not publicly, either in the marketplace or online, that's okay. And that's because living like that where our worship is hidden and our praises are silent will never make an impact. And sadly, this is true in my life, I'm okay with that sometimes. Sometimes I decide to hide God, whether that's passive or active, instead of boasting about him to others. And it's so much easier to live that way. But that is not what God has called us to. The God that we find in Scripture is to be praised, boasted about, lifted high, and glorified in every realm and facet and aspect of our day to day. So who do we worship? God. Where do we worship? Everywhere. And this leads us to our next question, why do we praise God? We need to know why it is that we praise and worship God. So the psalmist elaborates in verse 2. He says, Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Excellent greatness sounds like a Bill and Ted sequel, if I'm honest. Uh, If we read much of the Old Testament, It's like God's people are caught in this stupid sitcom, will-they-won't-they relationship. That God, from the very beginning, has been pursuing his people, but they're usually running away and whoring around with false idols from other nations. And when God, by his providence, had blessed them and rescued them and saved them, they may have praised him at first, but eventually they would forget about him. Our problem isn't necessarily that we don't praise. Our problem is that we end up praising the wrong things. And we often don't praise God when we forget about who God is and what he's done. All right, now time out. I just want to make this clear to everyone here this morning that we are not gathering here because we think we're good or to make us feel good or because if God sees what we're doing here, then he'll bless us, keep us, and love us. No. We're not here to fulfill some religious checklist. Go to church? Check. Sang a song or even part of it? Check. Raised my hand in prayer? Oh, check. Gave to church? Gave to Riverwood? Check. No, we're... We're not here to do that. Rather, we gather because of who God is and what God has done. And again, if we look throughout the Old Testament, time and time again, we see how God's mighty deeds in rescuing his people, despite how unworthy and ill-deserving 
they are. He does that so that they can experience relationship and renewal in him. And from the Old Testament, if we look toward the beginning of the New Testament, towards the Gospels, we see how God incarnate, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, we see what he has done on the cross in our place for the purpose of paying the penalty of our sins so that we can be rescued from our sin and reconciled to God our Father in heaven. And so the psalmist is saying, if you need a reason to give God praise, if you need a reason why, look around. See what God has done. And in your own lives, look back and see if you can catch a glimpse of God's work in your lives. We all have a reason to praise God because of everything that he's done. The psalmist is also saying that another reason why God is worthy of our praise, that he is worthy of our worship, is because of who he is. God's powerful presence, his great glory, his matchless majesty demands to be praised. And King David writes about this in many psalms. For instance, Psalm 8 opens with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And Psalm 19 opens with, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. And so the idea is that because God created heaven and earth and everything in between, creation itself is pointing to God and screaming, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord because he is holy and mighty and righteous and wise and loving and just and merciful and gracious and glorious. Praise the Lord. And creation is pointing us to that general revelation of God's truth. And yet, as Paul writes in Romans, in our default sin nature, in our unrighteousness, we suppress this truth, the truth of who God is, the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done on our behalf. And so the, the psalmist reminds us of this. Why do we praise the Lord? Because of who he is and everything he's done. So that leads us to our next question. Well, now we know why we praise God because of who he is and everything he's done. But how do we praise God? I, I think if we just step back and we realize the magnitude of that question, I want you to think for a moment, if I can get everyone's attention, think about your favorite celebrity. Think about someone you admire, someone you look up to, whether that's an athlete or you know, a musician or an actor or actress, an icon or an activist or even a certain pastor. Who is someone that you both look up to and see from afar and say, whoa, that person is just amazing. I, I wish I could just meet them. Who would it be? Actually, who, who would it be? Everyone's just like, I don't want to say anybody. I don't want to get called off. Who? Shakira? 
Okay, anybody else? Off the top of your head, who would you just love to meet? Gerald McGrady. I have, n- I have no idea who that is, but it's my mom, and I love her for that. Now imagine being asked to speak to this person, maybe even give a presentation or a performance for them. You know, give them everything you've got. It's a little daunting. I remember back in high school, I was a big fan of Toby Mac. And now I'm a big fan of John Mark McMillan. And I remember a couple years ago, Grace and I went to uh, one of his concerts, and I had paid the little extra to get into the group beforehand for the Q&A, and I just like stood there just like holding Grace, and I'm like, this is happening. I have so many questions, but they're all so stupid. He would... He would think they're so stupid. I, I just don't know if I can. And so it's a little daunting because that person that we look up to and look from afar is so elevated in our eyes that there's so much pressure to impress. How would you even go about doing that? And luckily, our God is not the stereotypical celebrity. Rather than appeal to us with showiness and novelty, God desires vulnerability and intimacy so much more. It's like Jesus' parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector, where the Pharisee is standing up and praying aloud, bragging and boasting about who he is, how he's not like sinners like them, and about what he's done. While the tax collector is on his face, repenting of his sins and asking for mercy, boasting in the God who is greater than anyone or anything. And God takes away our need to impress when he stepped down into humanity and stooped down into our experience, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that there was nothing about him that was on the outside attractive. And the people thought that he was going to be a military victor over Rome and rule over Rome. But instead, he worked as a carpenter and lived among his people. And he conquered so much more than Rome. He conquered the dead of our sin and the power of death. So with that in mind, how do we praise a God like that? The psalmist says in verses 3 and 5, Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing symbols. The psalmist responds, oh, how do you praise the Lord? Oh, how do you praise a just and mighty and holy God? With everything you have, with any instrument that is in your hands. And so we, we read this, and I know he's writing this in the context of congregational musical worship through song, hence the instruments 
And again, this is not an advertisement for the worship team. This is not an advertisement for the worship team. This is not an advertisement for the worship team. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm not going to bring my guitar every, everywhere I go. Sam's not going to lug around his keyboard everywhere he goes. Michelle's not going to bring her bass everywhere she goes. But what I'm getting at is that praise is not merely musical. Praise is holistic. Worship is all-encompassing. When we worship God together in this place, my hope is that you do not starve yourself for next Sunday. Our praise and worship of God goes throughout the week as we read in his scriptures, as we go work our jobs, walk our dogs, spend time with our families, invest in loving and serving our communities. And like I mentioned earlier, worship is not something that we can just turn off because everything we do with everything we have is an act of worship. The son did not start loving the father when he went into ministry around 30 years old. The son loved the father from the moment that he was born. Through the loss of his earthly father, Joseph, through the difficult times growing up with his early uh, brothers and sisters, through working a job as a carpenter from hammering nails to nicking his thumb on occasion, in everything that Jesus did, he worshipped God the Father. And as we become more like God in our sanctification, which is where God in his grace continually conforms us and shapes us into the image of his Son, cleansing us from our sin and pressing us towards righteousness, we grow to love him more. And as we grow to love God more, our praises will likewise grow louder. Praise him with everything you've got, with everything he's given you. And so the psalmist brings us to our final question. Who is all invited to praise God? In verse 6, the psalmist says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who do we worship? God. Where do we worship? Everywhere. Why do we worship? Because of everything He is and everything He's done. And how do we worship? With everything we have. And he brings us to this final question. Who is all invited to worship God? Everyone. He says, let everything that has breath, that's you and me, that's creation, praise the Lord. And if you know the creation account, you'll notice this beauty in the poetic exclamatory call to praise. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. 
And I love the song, Great Are You, Lord, by All Sons and Daughters, because it captures that imagery. It goes like this. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. The breath that God has given us, he's given us to praise him. And we look around our world and see how people are just breathing out hatred, seething with anger and malice and disgust for God and people made in his image and likeness. We see political parties squabble and struggle for power. We see the alt-right neo-Nazis and the cultural Marxists wreaking havoc and breeding violence in our streets. We see churches split because, well, this issue is too political. This issue is too divisive. When it is, in fact, God's word that separates and divides the sheep from the goats. We see the wreckage that sin has left behind. And God sees it too. And God saw it in eternity past, before it ever happened. And his plan from the beginning, before he formed from the dust and breathed life into humanity, was to come in human form, die on a rugged, plos, on, on a rugged cross in our place for our sins, and breathe his last. The God who breathed life into us so that we may worship him, died and breathed his last because we didn't. But because of what God has done for us, because Jesus Christ lived perfectly, died in our place sinlessly, and rose from death to life victoriously, and because of the work that he does in those redeemed by the blood of his Son, every breath in our lungs can praise him and give him honor and glory and the worship he's due. So, what do we do with this? What do we do with this psalm? My hope for all of us this morning is that our praises to God and our worship of God does not stop here. Remember, we are not only made to worship, we are made worshiping. And at Riverwood, we talk about something known as opening unto God our fists. Our finances, our influence, our skills, and our time. All of those are ways that we come and worship God. The funds that God has blessed us with, if God is all good, then he knows what to do with it. the influence God has given us in our respective circles. He never makes mistakes. So may we follow him into whatever conversation or opportunity he puts on our path so that we can point people to him. The skills that he's graced us with, may we hone them and use them to bless his name and edify his people. 
and the time that he's allotted us with how the Bible speaks about the time that we have on earth is like a vapor, like a mist. We have however much time he desires us to have at our disposal. So may we take every advantage to bring him glory. May we go from this place, may we go about our lives as bona fide, genuine Jesus followers, worshiping him and praising him alone. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so as a part of our worship this morning, we're going to move into something known as the Acts Prayer. The A stands for adoration, where we get to tell God how much we love him in all that he is. The C stands for confession, where we go to him in repentance of sin, knowing that while no wrongdoing escapes his sight, he is ready, he is waiting to forgive. The T stands for thanksgiving, where we get to thank God for all that he's done for us, that all that he's done on the cross. And the S stands for supplication, where we earnestly and humbly ask God to meet us where we're at and meet our every need, that we depend on him with every ounce of our lives. How we're going to go about this is I'll say a small prayer for each of these respective contexts and leave about 30 seconds for us to uh, pray either out loud or silently in these contexts of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Let's pray. In adoration, our Father in heaven, we come here this morning to worship you, to sing your praises. Lord, we love you for all that you are in your majesty and in your mystery. You've made yourself known to us that we may come to know you, receive you, and love you in return. We love you and we adore you Oh God. In confession. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning not bragging about how good we think we are or about what, what good we may have done. We come asking for the forgiveness of our sins, for you know who we truly are. Oh God, we ask you to mortify us of our sinful nature and tendencies that always lead to death. Create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit with us. 
We confess these things to you, oh God. In thanksgiving. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your work upon the cross, that in you we have redemption in your blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to your grace. Open our eyes each moment, remind our hearts and our minds of who you are and what you've done. Jesus, we thank you for everything you have blessed us with, seen and unseen. Lord Jesus, we thank you. pray in supplication. O Lord, our Lord, we come this morning asking, begging you to supply us with our every need. We are totally dependent on you. We know that you are a father who provides for your children. We unclench our fists. We surrender everything that we hold dear and we open our empty hands to you. We trust you alone, O oh Lord, to provide. Jesus, we worship you this morning. We praise you this morning. Let us sing to him this morning.